Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Denver, Colorado, it's time for Franchise Bible Coach Radio. Now, here are your hosts. All right, everybody, welcome to Franchise Bible Coach Radio podcast with Rick and Rob. I'm Rick Grossman, and I'll be your host today along with my co-host, Rob Ganley. I'll introduce Rob in just a minute here. But folks, we have a, a, a great show today. Uh, we have a gentleman that has a franchise success story and a very unique way of looking at the franchise business that I, I'm excited to have him tell you more about. So we have Paul Eckert. He is the founder and CEO from Family Financial Centers. And uh, they are headquartered out of Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And they're growing. They've got about 55 units and have even added units during the COVID situation here. So they're still growing and, and going strong. So very exciting story. And we have some strategies he's going to share with us and some of their stories. And we're excited to have you here, Paul. Welcome. Well, good to be with you guys. Uh, hopefully it's uh, sunny and uh, warm where you're at. Yes. Well, that could be. Wait, it kind of depends. Is it cold up there? Uh, it's gotten a little chilly, yes. yes it has a little bit, little bit too soon for us. Yes. Old man winter's coming. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce Rob Ganley, our co-host, and let him uh, get into the questions. And let's learn more about what Paul has to offer here. And we'll get started. Welcome, Rob. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks, guys. Uh, and, and you know what? Um, before we jump in, I do want to thank our sponsors. Uh, without them, uh, we wouldn't uh, be able to keep going here. So first and foremost, Franchise Bible Coach. Um, franchise Bible Coach is a consultant to emerging franchisors and franchisees alike. Uh, some great programs, uh, membership packages, and specials. So if you're listening, uh, why don't you head over to FranchiseBibleCoach.com and you can learn more. Uh, about uh, Rick and uh, Rick Grossman, who's with us today, and uh, the Franchise Bible and everything that it's about. Uh, and also, I want to thank SEO Samba. Uh, SEO Samba is uh, an innovator in the franchise space. They created something called the Franchise Marketing Operating System, and it's built for franchisors and franchisees alike to collaborate and grow and market their businesses as one unified brand. So I want to thank them, and you can learn more at seosamba.com. And with that said, I'd love to introduce Paul one more time, Paul Eckert, the founder of Family Financial Centers, and uh, welcome to the show. And you know, one of my favorite questions to, to lead with is always ask, how did you get to where you are? How did the brand get started? And tell us a little bit about the market that you serve. Well, uh, I'll give you the, uh, the short version of uh, Paul Eckert's history. I'm a career franchise executive. I spent uh, many years with Midas International, rising up uh, uh, through the ranks, eventually being transferred to the East Coast from the Midwest uh, to run the Eastern Division. Um, my time with Midas was enjoyable, but also boring, because if you sat in a room with a group of uh, Midas executives and you were asked the question, what's your greatest accomplishment? It would be how many years they were with the company. I always had an entrepreneurial bent to me. So I found, although I was well compensated, I wasn't challenged very much. And uh, so I had the opportunity, I was uh, contacted by a recruiter friend of mine who uh, helped me 
put my staff together when I was relocated here from Ohio. And he said, Paul, I, I know you don't want the job, but I, I really need you to go interview with these guys. They, they're, I just want to show them that I can bring franchise expertise. That's exactly what they need. I said, okay, uh, well, what type of business is it? Where are they located? Well, I can't tell you that. I said, what do you mean? You can't tell me that. What are these? Is this some kind of drug buy or something? <laughs> no, no, no. If I tell you, you won't go. So he gave me the address of a hotel in Center City, Philadelphia. And I went and I went more because I, I owed him a favor. But also I, now I was really uh, wondering what, what, the, what is this all about, this great secret? So I'm sitting in the lobby of uh, the Omni Hotel in Philadelphia. And a gentleman comes up and he's the gentleman I'm supposed, uh, supposed to meet and, and talk with. And he mentioned the word check cashing. Now I felt the blood draining from my head at that moment uh, to my feet, wondering how long I had to stay there to be polite yet to get back in my car and go back to my home in Philadelphia, which is in suburban Philadelphia. Uh, six hours later, I was still there. Wow. And uh, although it took me a year to make the decision to go into the industry, uh, it opened my eyes to something different because I was a career automotive franchise guy and we're always fighting for margins and finding competent uh, uh, technicians because the industry was transitioning. And with Midas, you had three generations of owners. So it was difficult. And what I learned about the check cashing industry is that it had tremendous potential, but it wasn't even uh, the, 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 none of the things were explored properly as to how it should be done as a franchise. And this particular company was in that space. They were franchising financial service centers, although they really didn't know that's what they were doing. So after about a year of conjoling and, and them harassing me, I finally took the position to run that company. And uh, I spent about three and a half years. I, I got there. They had about 40 units, 50 units, they'd been in business for about 25 years. And in about two years, I was able to take that uh, unit count up to 140. Um, but as with many cases, they were privately held uh, and uh, it created a problem because all of a sudden there was a lot of money versus before I arrived. And I realized there was an opportunity for me to do something on my own. And I had worked for people at, at executive levels. Technically, some people would say, oh, you're the boss, what's the problem? but you're always working for somebody, okay? And I would rather work for the customer than, than a board of directors or another group of owners. And so when 9-11 came, it changed the dynamic of our industry. Basically, we provide financial services to individuals who don't have access or can't access uh, traditional bank relationships. So once I professionalized where I was at, and put systems in place and put POS systems and construction and real estate departments and development departments, I realized that I could do this on my own. And so that's what really came to the birth of family financial centers. So with the advent of 9-11 came the Patriot Act and all sorts of uh, compliance issues with the industry. Many in the industry viewed that as a negative. I viewed that as a positive. So our company was built on the compliance platform. We were gonna build a better mousetrap and bring in individuals, highly skilled entrepreneurs or mustered out executives and put them in this industry because the return is like nothing else in the franchise industry. Now, typically 
in the franchise space, you have to run uh, close to a seven, eight hundred thousand hop line in order to glean a hundred thousand dollar net profit. In our business, your top line could be as low as two, two twenty, and you can do a solid six figure return. And there's really not a lot out there like that. And the investment isn't great. It's significant, but it's not great. And the thing about it is with our compliance and we built a proprietary uh, point of sale system that provided all the compliance issues, wouldn't let someone work outside the lines of compliance regulations, uh, provided protection for the franchise owner as to what to do and what not to do and created a comprehensive support system for them. And I realized long ago that if the franchisee themselves is not the priority of the franchisor, you're gonna have problems. Mm -hmm. Many companies, many franchise companies, they make more money on their real estate departments and selling their product than they do on their royalties. Right. So their priorities are all messed up. With us, I built my company with the singular focus on the profitability and success of each franchisee. I made up my mind I wasn't gonna get big right away. I didn't wanna sell my soul to the VCs. I've had many opportunities, especially the last eight years when we really got big and highly profitable. I resisted that because uh, again, the, the thing you give up is you give up control and you also give up successful locations. There's so many franchise companies that open six and close six and most of the franchisees are upset because they don't like the margins. So we built our company on the fact that we wanted each store that we put in, each franchisee that we awarded a franchise to was gonna to be top flight and gonna going do a good job for themselves and a good job for us. And really to, to borrow a, a phrasing from movie uh, broadcast news, what do you do when your reality far exceeds your dreams? And that's what we've tried to do at Family Financial Centers. We want our franchisees' financial return to be far above what they ever thought they could accomplish. And we have done that. And so we don't have to worry about growth. We don't have to worry about uh, putting franchisees on top of one another uh, because we've kept our, our, our model very clear and focused. Uh, we're able to deliver the type of return for our franchisees that bodes well uh, for our future and their future. So that's kind of the short story. I'm sure you have uh, ancillary questions to that, but uh, that's that's how I got where I, I, I am currently. A short and very influential story, I must say. You know, you got me a little bit watering at the mouth being, well, we're all entrepreneurs here. So when we start to hear business models, whenever I hear guys explain how they approach their business model, I always uh, typically get excited, especially if they have a good story to share. So. That's very interesting uh, how you laid that out. Um, Rick, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's uh, you've done a great job. It very enticing for sure. And I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there right now that are thinking, um, hmm, okay, I've never thought of that industry, but maybe it'll fit into, uh, into my life because you never know. A lot of folks out there want a, a business where customers come to them, but they don't want a restaurant uh, or they, because food, they don't have a food service background. Uh, maybe they don't want a big staff, uh, but uh, there's a, a lot of a lot of good points there that you made. So, Paul, when you think about what changes have happened in the last seven or eight months, you know, you, you know we already mentioned at the beginning of the show that 
that uh, you've been able to even open units during COVID. Uh, and we're kind of in this new normal. Everybody's trying to figure out what the future looks like. And how has that impacted your marketing, your franchise development, and your plans in general? And, and uh, you know, somebody's considering your model. What, you know, what can they look to as, as how that would operate in this new normal? Well, one of the things that we're fortunate is in every state in the country that we operate, we're an essential business. So we were never mandated to shut down at any time. Uh, one of the things that I probably should have touched on earlier is what our actual essential model is as it relates to the customer. Our customer base makes up probably about 60, 65, 70%, some say even higher uh, uh, of the population, which is people who live week to week, paycheck mm -hmm. to paycheck. Uh, that really escalated beginning in 2008 with the uh, uh, economic uh, uh, shrinkage there, to put it mildly, and that we really never recovered. We've never gone back to uh, the point where those individuals are robust in the way that they can handle their finances. So basically, we provide all the financial services that a bank does to those individuals that are either unbanked or underbanked. And so when COVID hit, we were having one of our best years. In fact, every year seems to increase the following year. Uh, it, it, it was it was unbelievable how that all unfolded and I'm sure it hit everybody. But we had uh, some real interesting positives in the industry. The first, as I already mentioned, was that we were essential. Two, that our physical plant, uh, our employees are uh, in, a, in a bank teller-like situation, but in our locations, we have a wide open uh, space, very attractive, but it's uh, acrylic, bulletproof glass uh, is completely encased uh, with a teller station in front of them. So they had no way of transmitting uh, or mm -hmm. being concerned about transmitting any uh, disease or, or however you want to place it. They, they it couldn't be transmitted in our, in, in our physical plant. Oh, wow. So also, you were already set. We were set unknowingly. Now mm -hmm. that's there for insurance reasons. You know, a lot of people, they think about, oh, they do check cashing. That's that uh, crummy little place on the corner with bars on the windows. That's not us. We look like more like a European bank, uh, beautiful lobbies, uh, nice counters, but we are completely secure, but it's wide open with, with this acrylic glass that we had made for us. And, and uh, uh, that made our employees safe. So they didn't have to worry when they came to work because they had to, because it was, we're an essential business our franchisees wanted to stay open. And it also increased our market share because so many of our disorganized independent operators, which still make up 80% of the industry, they weren't prepared for anything like this. So their stores closed, they were not open when their customers wanted them to be. So our store to store volume, although hit because of the pandemic, because you know less people working, less yeah. checks in the system, so forth, we really didn't get hurt that bad because we also grabbed up market share from our ill-prepared competitors. Uh, and that allowed us to grow. One of the, the, the biggest ways we grow, gentlemen, is our franchisees like to buy more units. So we bring in new people because new blood is always good. And we, and we like uh, the brain trust, if we will. We don't live in an ivory tower at Family Financial Centers. We like to have conversations with our franchisees. They know they can call us about anything. And uh, we've been recognized nationally for our, our support services to our franchisees. 
But the great thing about it is uh, because we have a business model that now is purchasing independent operators in this space, converting them to family and then putting in our franchisees, they have a cash flow from day one, a robust cash flow. So although we do startups still, uh, we really concentrate on the model of taking independent uh, operators who are ill-prepared to keep working. They have nice cash flowing businesses, but can't keep up with the uh, regulatory requirements. They don't want to market properly. We grab the best of those. We don't, <laughs> there's a lot of junk out there in any industry. We grab the best of those, put our highly skilled and train franchisees into these locations, and they immediately have a robust cash flow. It's good for them, it's good for us, and really that's the, the thrust of our expansion. And so we've been able to do that all through COVID. Uh, I was amazed our development department actually closed on a unit, a new franchisee, as COVID was hitting its, its zenith uh, in, in, in late March, early April. And the franchisee was a, a, a female executive and she didn't bat an eyelash because she did the research on us and felt very comfortable with moving ahead. Now she's since opened and, and doing well. Uh, our existing franchisees have opted to expand and buy other locations, which we're in the process of doing now. And we just sold two new units uh, down in the Florida market. So we're expanding yeah. rapidly down there. So it's all about uh, the return on investment, the fact that the business model itself is needed. And I sent several letters out to our franchisees during the, the teeth of, of COVID. And I reminded them how important it was to be there for their customers at a time when many of our competitors would not be, and they would not be forgotten. And that has happened. Uh, they were so appreciative that we were there for them in their time of need. And I think uh, that's really one of the, our thrusts in the business. We, we want to do well by the communities we serve as well. And that comes across loud and clear to the people that come into our locations. Oh, what a great strategy and a commitment. I love it. Very good. Yeah, and it made me think, you know, when you were talking a little bit about what you just kind of finished up there with your, your franchisees and serving, serving the customers. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what has gone on the last uh, uh, six to eight months? Uh, obviously, you kind of were pre-built for, for a pandemic un unknowingly. Um, but, you know, what, what, do you have a story or, or something that you would, sh you would share that maybe was a franchisee that kind of went above and beyond the call of duty or, or just your, some of your customers being thankful? for that, you know, for the service you're providing is anything like that happening because of the pandemic? Well, I would say uh, really a lot of it really is centered on our relationship with our franchisees. Uh, we certainly weren't immune from the pandemic. One of our franchisees up in the Connecticut area uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, another one uh, tested, uh, his daughter tested positive. Connecticut was hard hit, as you remember, they were in the, the teeth of everything. Um, and it's the way we reacted. Uh, and we didn't do it because we were trying to get on their good side because we already had a great relationship with these folks. They're like, that's one of the reasons I named the company family. We are a family. That's why I'm very selective on who I take in because I don't have to, when you start out, you know, you, you feel like you, you got a tin cup and you're on the corner, right? I mean, it's a brand new, I never did that. I had enough cash and I, I just had the confidence that we we're gonna get the right franchisees from the beginning. And so we bring in quality people and then we train them in our business. 
And uh, this one individual uh, was just so appreciative that we really cared about him individually. Now, what that does is then he starts treating his customers that way. And so one of the things that I tell my staff is that our franchisees are not our employees. In fact, I wrote an article for a, a periodical about this. A lot of franchise companies are autocratic in the way that they look at, look at things. You think about Ray Kroc back in the days of McDonald's, you know, our way or the highway. That may have worked then, it doesn't work now. And so I tell my people, my support people, and, and this is why we're recognized as one of the better companies in, this, in, in franchising as far as support, is our franchisees are our customers. And we want to treat them that way. You know, you could say partners, but I want to make it our customers because then it's even more uh, a high level of concern and, and, and committed to giving them support. Now, if we do that, then that's going to transition to how they treat their customers. And so if we treat our franchisees with kind consideration and, and, and legitimate, sincere concern, that's going to bleed down. That's how they're going to treat their employees. And that's how they're going to treat their customers. Yes, absolutely. And in my book, Franchise Bible, I, I wrote about the proper way to, to create a, an or a franchise organization using what I call a servant leader model is uh, what we, uh, our, one of our strategies we call the upside down pyramid, where the franchisor is actually on the bottom of the pyramid supporting everyone above and, and uh, taking the hurdles out of the way and giving them everything they need to succeed and, and supporting them. And then they in turn support their employees and the employees then in turn uh, do great service for their customers. So sounds like you are a living example of the upside down pyramid. That's wonderful. It's the first time I've heard upside down is good. Yeah, yeah. It uh, <laughs> all depends on what it means, I guess. But uh, no, that's wonderful. Good, good deal. And so if you could pick out, yeah, you know, you probably have thousands of customer stories, but if you could pick out a customer story uh, that was interacting with one of your franchisees that just kind of exemplifies what, uh, what your business is all about, just so uh, a lot of these folks listening can, can picture what it's like. Uh, to be the uh, the franchise owner and have customers? Well, again, the people that come into our locations need their financial needs taken care of. In fact, one of our taglines is let our family help your family with mm. all your financial needs. Like so there that. are countless examples of people coming in, uh, needing something done. They, they need a particular transaction done because of a family members leaving out of town. They need some cash. Uh, they're in our database. We know that they're a good customer. Many of our franchisees go the extra mile. Uh, we've had franchisees, uh, you know, that have taken the time to uh, drive people to their work because their car broke down. Uh, mm. The one thing we have because of our database, uh, we it's a repeatable business. You have the same people coming in every two weeks uh, and sometimes every week. It's interesting. Our concept is so different because you know, you own a furniture store. Well, how often do people buy furniture? Right. Uh, you have a fast food operation. Do you really interact with customers? A lot of them today, all of them are going through the drive-through. And even before that, nobody's really looking at anybody. Right. Uh, but our, our, our employees of our franchisees and our franchisees who, uh, you know, are overseeing the stores, 
they get to know their people. They understand who they are. They're part of the community. And so you build a legacy. You build a financial legacy for yourself, but you also build a legacy for the community you're serving. And so these folks come in, often they're not given the proper respect uh, that they should be. Um, most banks, right. you know, they're not gonna be involved with our customers. Uh, being that said, our customers are a wide scope of people. Uh, they're not pigeonholed to, uh, you know, a certain income level. We have people well into six figures that use us. We mm -hmm. have a big, a big percentage of our customers are what we call our commercial customers that own small businesses. Um, but they have the same problem as, as an individual retail customer. They have to make their cash. They got to make their, the money that they receive from their customers. They got to make that liquid immediately. They can't do it unless they have a, a, a corresponding amount in their bank account. So they come to us. So we have met many, many of our franchisees have relationships with these small business owners, have helped uh, given them uh, some of the uh, same advice as we give our franchisees to try to help them with their, their business concepts and, and problems that they have. We like to tell our franchisees and our customers, there's so many snake oil salesmen out there today. They'll look at you dead in the eye and they say, oh, it never rains, it never rains. I got news for you, I go to Maui every year for our anniversary for almost a month. It rains in Maui, even though they say it doesn't. So we yeah. say, it's gonna rain, it's yeah. gonna rain, but our role is to be there with an umbrella when it does. So right. that's the role. That's the role of a good franchisor. There's going to be problems. That's the nature of business. But we're going to be there to cut that learning curve down and help them. And so that type of attitude has really uh, propagated itself to all our franchisees, and they will go the extra mile. Uh, we've even had some franchisees assist with a college placement for their customers because they just did, went through it with their family and they had given them that type of assistance. So I guess the family name uh, and what the company represents and when we go, go to our convention, it is like a family, which is much easier to do when everybody's making good, good income. It's right. a friendly place. You know, I've been, I've been in other uh, companies where it's not so friendly <laughs> yeah. because the concept wasn't working. So I hope that mm -hmm. uh, kind of illustrated what we're all about on that, on that question. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously Paul has a deep understanding of how to do franchising the right way, which is refreshing, refreshing to hear Paul. Yeah. Now it's funny when, yeah, cause I've obviously been very familiar with Rick's book and, and uh, what we, what we talk about with our clients. And it's funny when I, when we, when we talk to folks like you and you tell us how you operate and, and you find out how successful you are. And it's no surprise when you're doing things like the upside down pyramid and just didn't have a name for it, but you're just doing it, right? <laughs> so it's really good that you treat your franchisees so well, mate, that that flows to the customers. And uh, that's great. Uh, and, it, and it sounds like a market that it does need to be served well. And you're doing a good job filling, filling that gap. So that's tremendous to hear. So everything that you've shared today and, and just guy that's in your situation and had the kind of success that you've had and now with with this pandemic and obviously being challenged in new ways uh it sounds like you've done quite well even with that um but is there like a gold nugget is there a, a, a special uh principle or set of principles that you've always liked to live by uh you may have already mentioned some of them uh but is there a gold nugget you'd want to leave the audience well i think uh you go back to uh, some Bible terms, okay? Mm -hmm. For me, it's always been 
treat other people the way you want to be treated. And I guess for me, uh, my principle and my last, I give a lot of uh, public discourses uh, through business groups and, and also uh, uh, philanthropic uh, activities. Never let a bad experience color the way you view things for the future. Often people make the mistake of letting bad experiences stick with them and constantly treat others because of those bad experiences. They're always in this negative, almost today, rage about how they've been treated. So they're going to treat other people that way. And what I've always found is if you go by that and just don't give it any attention because there's always gonna be somebody that's going to do bad things to you, that's going to disappoint you, that's going to say bad things about you, that are going to try to take advantage of you. And if we allow those things to become part of our persona because of the way we've been treated, all we do is double down on negativity. And so you just have to overlook those things and concentrate on being a good person and do the right thing. And if you do that, it's going to come back to you tenfold. But if you get down in the muck with everybody else, if it's dog eat dog and your attitude is that way, and, and, and it can happen to anybody. You can be in business today. There's so many pitfalls. You can get very, very uh, negative about that process. And then you start treating your employees, your franchisees as the enemy. And although you may at times, and this has happened to me and will continue to happen to anybody that does things like I do, you are going to be taken advantage of. People are going to not appreciate what you do. Uh, you're going to help people out and they're going to just kick dirt in your face. At, and, and you can't believe that they could do it. But don't succumb to the desire to be like that. Continue to have a positive attitude because you'll be happier. You'll accomplish much more. And people will like you. And that's an uh, important thing. Wow. That is a gold nugget. I like that one a lot. It's one of the better ones we've had in a while, I think. Yeah. I, I heard some of those words, Paul. Thank you. Uh, no, that's right. I agree with that. I, I tell I think I've told my kids that recently. Um, you know, it's just oh, like that always that. that's always good parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well no, it's like it's like the double down that you said it's like doubling down, like when someone does something against you. And it stays in your head. It's like they win twice. They did the thing, but now it's in your brain causing more things to happen. So it's like, don't let that happen. And, and, and so that's tremendous advice. And, and uh, that's great to hear. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that sounds good. We are uh, coming to the end of our show here, but just a lot of meat and potatoes in there, huh, huh Rob? Oh yeah. Just a good lot stuff. of good content and, and just a, a wonderful model you've created, Paul. So congratulations. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. So we want to wrap the show up now, folks. Uh, we'd like to thank you again for joining us on Franchise Bible Coach Radio with Rick and Rob. And uh, Rob, you want to thank our sponsors one more time before we go? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't forget to check out SEO Samba. Uh, you can reach them at seosamba.com. Again, they're the makers of the franchise marketing operating system. It's a great platform for franchisors and franchisees alike to work together and grow their business. Also want to thank Entrepreneur Magazine and Franchise Bible uh, you know, for supporting us. 
uh, and the show and uh, continuing to do the good work that we're able to talk to folks like Paul here today. So we just want to thank them and bye for now. Bye-bye, everybody. We thank you for joining us, and we'll have more great shows coming up soon. We're Franchise Bible Coach Radio with Rick and Rob signing off. I'm Rick Grossman. Y'all have a great week. Bye-bye now. <laughs>